0: What's going on, coaches? Spring ball is starting to come to an end in Texas, and we are uh, going towards summer break. Uh, excited to get that break from school over the summer and get kids back in the weight room uh, and, and getting after it. On RTP Premium, Coach Walls has just recently put up a play action pass vert layers uh, over at runthepower.com. This is video two. Uh, this month was layers. Next. Month will be crossers with our play action passes, and again, you guys can get all of that at runthepower.com. Uh, it's only twelve bucks a month or one hundred and twenty bucks annually, uh, which so you can save twenty four dollars uh, for all you math teachers out there. Uh, several staffs obviously have paid for it uh, just as a form of professional development. Um, they can continually develop and talk about it each month, and and we love hearing all all those things and everything that those coaches are getting. Uh, out of RTP Premium. You guys can find everything we're doing over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder, Team Builder has recently launched a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. TeamBuilder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, TeamBuilder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring, and the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you, and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at LegendRings.com. This episode of the RTP Podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us, if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited-time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my just play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk again with Cody Alexander. Coach Alexander is the co-DC and safeties coach at Mesquite Horn High School in Mesquite, Texas. Listen as we talk with Coach Alexander about reflections and coaching defense over the past few seasons and the fifth book he has written, Anchor Points. You can follow Coach Alexander on Twitter at the underscore coach underscore A. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, coach, let's go ahead and get this thing started. So I know, uh, obviously, we've already met you, you know, a few times and all that. But um, I, I know you've got a bunch of uh, some new things coming out. I know, uh, you know, what is it? Is it a new book? Uh, I couldn't, you know, I, I saw you were doing, a, you know, obviously, these last few years, you've been you've been active. You've been getting after it. <laughs> uh, what do you got coming out new? Um, and, and I've seen it all over Twitter from not from you necessarily, but from a bunch of other coaches. I mean. Every, every time there's a like, hey, tweet out a high school coach that you want to get, you know, that, that has helped you out a ton. You're like, and every single one, you know, everybody's at now when that happens. So what do you got going on right now?
1: Well, first of all, I, I appreciate it. I, I really truly believe like the best way to learn is to teach. And so I'm always trying to, you know, go, this is what I found and I'm paying it forward. And uh, But I, I recently wrote a book, Anchor Points, which really talks about the defense for the front. Um, I think most people know me, obviously my website is match quarters. uh, So it know me as a secondary guy, but one thing that I've really fell in love with in the past couple of years is really kind of pressure design, attacking pass pro um, and analytics. And what I've done with, with anchor points is really just taken what I've kind of been working on in the past couple of years of of front structure, being hybrid, things that I really, we, we were doing at Baylor back in a, a decade ago, with uh, Phil Bennett, who's now at North Texas and just kind of evolving that into what I'm seeing now and kind of putting things down. Cause that's the one thing that I'm getting a lot of guys like, Hey, I'm a four down guy, but I'm interested in this tight front or, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm running tight front, but we're seeing a lot of Seen seeing a lot of things that are attacking us and I, I want to now, you know, maybe I need to get into some even spacing stuff. And so how can I do that and make it as simple as possible. And I think that's the one thing that, that I've tried to be really cognizant about and, and what I've tried to excel at is making the complex, simple And so that people can understand and put it in your own language and not necessarily kind of being rigid in my own way, but teaching it in a way that you can take that back and say, okay, that makes sense. I can, I, we call it this, or we can turn it into that. And so I wrote Anchor Points as that, and that's kind of, that's my new book that, that I, I just came out with uh, within the past month.
0: I think that's interesting. You know, obviously we get on and, and put a lot of stuff out there and we've got a website and we do that. And I think the few negative comments we have are there's coaches that are normally older coaches that say like, Oh, this is just the same thing, you know, from 20 years ago and Oh, that's this. And then that part of that is this. And, and, you know, I think kind of what we always say is, yeah, you're exactly right. It's not anything crazy new, but it, it's kind of how we've packaged it together, how we help our kids learn all of these vastly different things, put them together. And, you know, I, I think that, that even more than knowing individual things like you're talking about is, is the most important. How do you package that in a way that, and you can call it whatever you want, but how do you package that? What are your packages look like? You know, so the kids can learn all these different things. Cause just cause you know, you want to put in 18 different things. Well, if they have no, common anything and you haven't tied those together that's extremely difficult for a kid to understand or if you haven't put those in buckets but if you can find the tie-ins you can tweak them to where somehow they they work with each other then then now that's the coaching part of it that's the part where it's it's a system as opposed to yeah you know i've seen that play a bunch 30 years ago or, or you know whatever that that case might be
1: yeah, and that was kind of the the last two chapters of the book really focus on pressure pass and being multiple in the way that you attack an offense. And that was kind of something that I took as, here. here's are like five or six best practice pressure pass pa- pressure pass that you're going to see on every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're going to see them at some point. And then what I just did is is just simply put them in different front structures uh, and just showed them. Look, you know, and that's the point of saying, look. You can do the same things, but if you just change the look, it changes the way that this attacks a pass pro or it changes the way that now the offense is going to react, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that hit me uh, talking to some college coaches during the pandemic was that. Hey, this is kind of what we're seeing. We can't just stay static. We can't just eat, whether you're single high or too high. If you stay static all the time, you're just going to get eaten alive because people are going to be able to know and and kind of creating defensive formations, you know, the offense formations you to death. Anyway, you, you know, most often the offenses come in two trees, either they're going to try and run a whole bunch of plays and they're, but they're going to keep the formations really, really simple, or they're going to run, uh, just a few plays, but they're going to change the formation every week, but it's always going to be the same. So that's why they can be so multiple formations. And so I think defensively you can do the same thing, uh, by running the same concepts but doing it from a different look because it changes that perception for the offense and it's just creating defensive formation so that the offense now has to rep that that's one more rep that they have to use in practice that hey they may not even see that for another three weeks from
2: us I think every every great defense that we see now you know it, it doesn't matter where it's at I mean they have the ability to play so many fronts right? and and like you said I mean they're they're not worried about having a bust or something like that. Cause they have it all built into, you know, the system to where it all works, right. It, it all matches the coverage structure. It all matches their pressure philosophy, but as an offensive line guy, as an offensive coordinator, it's so difficult to prepare for odd, odd stack even, and, and all the different ways that teams can line up. And then not only that, you throw movement and blitzes on top of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, like a, I just think like a good example is like the guys that run the tight front and then being able to go from, and that's part of, that was partly what's in the book is like trying to be able to go, where's your, from your home base, like the guys that run the tight front to be able to get into some of that nickel stuff, you know, Randa runs that peso Leonard at Wisconsin is kind of in the same boat. They run that four down. All they are really doing is taking a nose out of the game And then they're putting a third corner in and yet because of their blitz structure, they basically get back into a bare front or a tight front. And so the fits never change for those linemen. I know when we were at Baylor you know we're a four down team, but then we're switching to what looked like a three down, but really it's the same spacing. It, you're still playing even spacing. You're still playing the same gap rules, but it's just a different perspective. And now you've got a flex defensive end instead of a solid five, and so now you can add to the coverage aspect. It adds to the blitz game. It adds to everything else, and so you can be multiple when you need to. And I think that's kind of that that keep it like you, you said, is being able to be multiple yet keeping it all streamlined throughout the same place so you can install these things all at the same time and keep the, keep the reads and the rules all the same for, for when you're in even spacing or when you're in odd spacing. And I think it's just whatever your home base is, then creating designs out of that in order to be able to, to keep the kids understand that. And I think that, to me, is where you can create those defensive formations is using what you do, normally do in your base, but giving a different presentation, whether it is that even spacing or that odd spacing, to kind of throw the offense off.
0: So, coach, it, obviously, everyone would like to do that using the same eleven guys, right? You don't want to have to throw in a few new guys to be able to switch your fronts and do things. So, uh, you know, looking at, at doing something as, as simple, like you said, from even to odd. Look, what is the most important position to be able to have a dude at, so you can do that? Is it that bigger, athletic outside linebacker that can roll down and be a defensive end? Is it a um, you know a, a dude at safety? What what's your You know, what's your guy? You know, when where do you need to put him if you want to be able to be multiple uh, and keep your same 11 out there?
1: Yeah, I really think it starts with that boundary outside linebacker and or in a four down what a lot of people call a rush end. Um, And, you know, that kind of guy and, and being able to put that athlete. Now, a lot of people don't necessarily want to put their athlete into the boundary all the time. Um, but I do think with different ways you can you can change the front structures, flipping the front calls and things like that, having them line up to the field, having them line up to the boundary. You can create ways to get him in in one on ones with a, with a tackle uh, to create that edge rush presence. But I do think the simplest way to do it, you know, and I've been running. What's interesting is you know the entire time at Baylor we were running a four two five, and then you know since I've been at the high school level it's all been three man fronts. Uh, And then this past year, we kind of ran, we were running a a hybrid three high system. So I've kind of done it all and I've done it with all different types of athletes. And to me, the most important position in terms of being hybrid is one, your, your out, your nickel or your Sam linebacker or outside linebacker or or whatever you want to call them, the overhang to the field has to be a dude. Um, And then I think that boundary overhang has to be uh, somebody that can now that's more of your big Hybrid, whereas your small hybrid is going to be to the to the field.
2: You talk about that field guy, you know, ha- having him be a dude. You know, talk a little bit about kind of you know why that is and and how important it is. You know, to, to have that flexibility to play so many different you know coverages to the field because I again I I, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, when you're you're pl- calling plays again, and, and you have four, five, six different things you can do with that guy because he is such a good athlete it makes it really difficult as opposed to, Hey, he's a little bit bigger guy. He's always going to be in the fit or he's always a cover guy. You know, he's like a true nickel and he's not going to be in the fit. So, you know, talk a little bit about that position and, and the, the problems it can really pose to, to offenses.
1: Well, I think that if you can find a guy that can cover and then you can now he can blitz. He's he's sturdy enough to play in the box. You know, I think that most people, if you look at on Saturday and Sunday, that nickel isn't even in the box. They, they don't want him in the box. They're trying to keep him away from the box. And and a lot of times in a lot of these places that are playing a lot of man match and they're they're playing a lot of what I you know, bracket coverage and things like that on the slot to try and eliminate those RPOs, you know, that guy's basically a glorified, you know, corner. I mean, they're they're putting him you know, a lot of guys are playing with a third corner right there, and he's not even or just really a cover safety that's now down that can play some man coverage. But I think at, at the high school level and some of these lower levels, you know, that kid really has to be kind of dear jack of all trades. He's got to be able to blitz. He's got to be able to box runs. He's got to be able to turn things back. And he's got to be able to cover at the same time, especially in trips. I think that's where a lot of people get exposed is okay, we've got this kid. He's really good in the box, but then teams are going to say, well, fine, we'll go trips the entire game. And now you won't be able to, now you won't ever be able to have him in the box. And now he's kind of awkward out there and being able to solve problems like that, you know? So to me, that's kind of why that guy is so important. And I, and I, I remember when I was at Midlothian, you know, we didn't have an outside linebacker that could actually really cover. We had two true, like three, four outside linebackers and they weren't great at coverage. And so we had to create ways, you know, we experimented with over rotation, but then we realized, well, okay, we're a man short to the boundary. How are we going to fix that? The kids weren't real comfortable doing it. And so it's, It's one of those things where, you know, through experimentation, you kind of learn like that guy has to be a dude. And when you have a guy that can cover and you have a guy that can that can play near the box and be physical, then now you're now you can be so much more multiple on defense and really it opens a lot of doors for you.
0: So, Coach, with that in mind, obviously you're at college. You know, if you're in college, you get to go and and recruit the dude that you need to be at that position. As you kind of already talked in high school, you kind of got what you got, but um, you can probably do some things to make sure down the pipeline, you're going to have that guy. Um, What are some, maybe some different positions you look at to change guys from or, or, um, you know, maybe how you guys look at it as a defense with how you share with the offense. I mean, is that, is that going to be who you're going to go for, you know, very first, when you were talking with the offense, you're going to go for that guy, um, it, you know, or would you be, you know, Hey, we've got a really good safety, but we're okay bringing him down to that spot because it is so important. How do you make sure not make sure, but give yourself the best chance to say, we're going to have somebody there knowing that that is such an important position for you guys.
1: You know, I've always kind of had the Jimmy Johnson approach of move guys down. Don't move guys back. Um, yeah. You know, I think that you've got maybe your third corner is a little bit slower, but he's a little bit physical. Okay. Well now maybe you can play him at that nickel spot and maybe you can play some, maybe you can tweak the way that you're running some coverages. Maybe you run a little, maybe you've got two really hard hitting safeties that aren't great in coverage. Well, I've got, I've got that. Maybe I can move that guy now inside to the nickel spot. Now we're running a little bit more bracket. Now we can do some things where, now we're blitzing. Now we've got a speed guy blitzing the edge and ha- creating an edge presence to the field when we do want to pressure. I think to me, when, when I look at player development in the offseason and I'm looking around, I'm, you know I'm thinking about how many athletes can we get on the field. And then, because that just opens more doors, but I, I truly believe, you know, Jimmy Johnson used to approach. It, it was like, look, if you were a running back at high school, you can be a linebacker. You know, if you were a, a linebacker in high school, we can put weight on you and you can be a speed rush D end. And so I've always felt like you can move guys down. Uh, and, and I, that into my experience, you know, I've, I've been able to say, you know, I, we did that, uh, at Midlothian at my last place, you know, we had, a I had three really good corners. So, we needed to play that third corner because he was one of our best athletes on the team. He was one of our best defensive players and to put him on the sideline or to just create a package that we only ran on third down just wasn't going to work for us. So we had to find ways to uh, get him on the field. He wasn't a great tackler. So, so uh we kind of put him to the boundary and we let my kind of my boundary corner, who's kind of a little bulldog, could do all everything. You know, he's a real tough kid. We could we, now we could press and we could blitz him and we could kind of use him in more of a, you know, cloud coverage and and kind of cut him in the boundary and and let that kid be more of a center field safety. So to me, I think it's adjusting what you have already in the playbook, but allowing your best 11 players to get on the field. Cause I mean, at Midlothian we were in the flex bone. And so if we weren't scoring points, we had to make sure we stopped people. And so we had to make sure that our best 11 players were playing on defense. And so for me, that's kind of the approach and it was a blessing uh, to be part of that system and, and really learn that, man, we got to put the best 11, no matter where you're at uh, and, and, and whatever it means. I mean, even here at horn this past year, we, we kind of struggled through the first part of the year with a lot of different things. And we finally realized, you know what, our best outside linebackers are these two sophomore kids. And why don't we just go ahead and play them? And because of that, we're going to need to play a little bit more bear zero. And so we ended up like, let's do the last three games. of The season just played bear zero and it was successful for us. We, we were relatively successful in the last few games. So it's just, you know, to me, it's just adjusting what you have and letting the kids be successful.
0: That's so interesting that you say that. It's funny because me and Walls in, in 2015, um, you know, we had this really, really good tailback. And it wasn't our starting tailback, but he was a really good one, really explosive. He just kind of got gassed out after a couple snaps. But um, – for half, halfway through the year, our head coach telling our defense coordinator, hey, we got to get him over on defense, put him at D end. And and as, you know, almost as dumb as it sounds to put a tailback at, at defensive end, the kid was fast and he wasn't a scat back. He was a, a powerful looking defensive end. And, and we didn't play him there all game, but on some of those third and eight, third and tens, it really was as as dumb or simple as it sounds. It was, hey, let's put our really unbelievable great athlete over there when when we know they're gonna throw the ball, and and he went and um, you know, it, it was unbelievable how how well he did with with such little practice, which I, I think that everyone, offensive and defensive coaches alike, are you know really good ones I think fall into that trap sometimes like I don't know I haven't got to work with this guy very much he's on the other side all this time you know I'd rather do it with my guys and then it was so fun it was eye-opening for me in my first year to see the kid that didn't work any defensive end at all the whole year really good athlete though we put him there defensive end and had a ton of sacks for us in some big moments.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, we we've talked about that at Horn about because where I'm at at Horn is a very we, we have a ton of athletes I and mean, we have athletes everywhere. And uh, we, we just don't have a lot of big guys. And so being that's why we run the three high system and we kind of have a four safety system that we run. And it's unique to us. And it's because our kids are unique. But that was what we had talked about. Um, and, and really had we had, had it been a different year, had we been able to do some different things and really been able to keep kind of some of that camaraderie and and some people didn't get injured, we would have been able to have, like you said, like, Hey, let's put our starting running back. Who's a Division One athlete. Let's go ahead and put him at, um, let's go put him at DN because, you know, at the end of the day, like, Hey, you know, he can go get the quarterback. And I think that that's the other thing you you hit the nail on the head is like guys overthink it. And they're like, well, I haven't had time to work with them. Well, it's not really hard to edge rush and tell that guy, Hey, go get the quarterback. The kid's <laughs> right. a natural athlete. And if you just tell him, Hey, I don't care how you do it, go get the quarterback and, and, and be able to play some games and, and work with them for, you know, a couple of times uh, during the week on, on, on some, on some speed moves. You know, that's the thing that I think is on third down is when you can get real funky. You know you can get especially third and long when you know it's passing man. That's when you can get real funky and you can get some kids in there that you know you never that never thought. And I always remember Don Brown a couple of years ago at the Lone Star Clinic talked about. He had this one kid he was really young, but he was so good at rushing the passer. He was just a natural pass rusher. And they just they didn't want to waste him. They didn't want him to just send him on sideline because he couldn't play, you know, he wasn't ready to play base defense yet. But man, he could rush passer. And so you put him in on third down and you let that kid go. And I think sometimes too and I see this a lot with college guys, they want a ready-made player. And I think some high school coaches want the same thing and it just doesn't work like that. You know, find ways that kids can be successful, put them in spots that they can do. And if a kid's really good at, and really fast, let him rush the passer. If, especially if he can beat that tackle hundred percent of the time, like you said, I, I mean, to me, that's a no brainer.
2: Yeah. People spend way too much time. Uh, I'm with you too much time on, you know, what, what can't the kid do? You know I mean? I, you're going right. to, you're going to nitpick all the time. I mean, there's, there's guys in the NFL, you know, Hey, this, this guy can only run, you know, five routes. Well, run those five routes. Cause he's always open on those five routes. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot, a lot to be said with that. I mean, you know, personnel rules the day um, coaches probably give themselves too much credit. And, and, you know, if we would probably just kind of listen to your gut and, and let your athletes get on the field, a lot of times it just kind of works itself out. And then you're just making adjustments as you know, the coordinator, heck Hey, Jimmy's great at rushing the passer. He might, you know, leave some things. He's going to be up the field. He gets kicked out. You know, how do we fix that? You know, if, if so-and-so is really good against the run, we're, we're going to see, you know, wide runs against him. But like, once you kind of know his limitations, then to me, it's on the cor- the coordinator or the, the coach to How do we fix those things? Or, you know, how do we have to kind of manage if they start attacking those things?
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, I I think that that's a, you know, this year I had a, I had a a kid, I think he's going to play in the NFL. Um, I was blessed enough to land in a spot that had two division one corners. Would have never thought that at the beginning of the year that when I came to Horn, I'd have two division one corners. I got a kid going to UTEP and a kid going to SFA, both are great kids and they, they deserve everything. Um, And I I think the kid that's going to SFA is probably going to play in the NFL at some point. And he just, he's raw and he, he hadn't had a lot. And, when, he's so, when they're so long like that, he's, six, he's six two, and he's just long, and he had these just long legs. And, and, and I think, too, it comes down to technique. Like I'm trying to teach the base way to do it, and I'm watching him, and I'm like, man, he's just really uncomfortable. This doesn't feel comfortable. Okay, well, instead of doing what I call a feather technique, which is kind of like a motor technique for your feet, I, I taught him the kick step which is a little bit easier for taller guys and it kind of felt more comfortable. And then man, boom, it like about halfway through the year, he just starts excelling and, and, and he just looks great. Whereas the other kid who's going to UTEP, I mean, he's a footwork guru. He can do anything that I ask him for footwork wise. He's great at it. And so, you know, to me, I think it, it goes back to the coach. Like there's so many guys who have probably left this game that had had games still left in them, but because the coach wanted to square peg in a round hole, that they couldn't, you know, trying to put that thing in there and they're like, oh, well, he doesn't fit. So he's not going to work. And, and, you know, I just think that you got to find ways to, to work with your kids. Cause like, you, you know, you said it, you know, at the high school level, we don't, we can't pick our kids. Our kids, our kids just come you know, that's why I never complain about, I'll never, you know, and if I do, I tell, I tell my guys to remind me like, look, these are our kids. We can't complain about who walks through that door. We just got to coach them and we got to create ways that we can be successful with them. Because if you don't do that and you're just always expecting, I need him to do this. Well, then maybe sometimes he can't. So I, I I try and always in the offseason find new ways to teach things, different footwork drills different ways of 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 kind of attacking different things so that way i can add to the toolbox hey he can't do this but man he can do this and i think to me that you know we found this out this year too like our kids are really good at man coverage not really good at at zone coverage well then why are we playing you know we we, about three four games in season we're looking at the analytics we're looking at the data and it's like man we're we're okay at zone but we're really good at man. Let's start playing a lot more man. And so then you start kind of playing, playing that way. And I think to me, that's as a coach, if you're ignoring that fact then you're doing an injustice to your kids.
2: I, I love what you say there too. And I mean, it, it kind of brings me back. I've, I've had these thoughts quite a bit lately, but like thinking about like indie drills, like it's almost like in the classroom, you know, in the classroom I, I might do a lecture and I expect everyone to do it exactly the same you know, and a lot of us maybe fall in that same trap when we're on the football, on the football field, you know, you're, you're mentioning it. Hey, if I have an indie drill where everybody's doing the same feather technique, you know, and one guy's could be a stud, but he can't master this technique. Why don't I modify it? So, I mean, I've become more of a fan of a lot of just, you know, the group work or the competitive work where it's now they're in one-on-ones and you can kind of do the individualized coaching. Like you need to work on this, you need to play this technique or you need to you know, whatever it might be, I've, I've honestly gotten more towards that than I have indie time simply because I feel like it's a lot better. Now I granted, there's gonna be things you got to learn to tackle, you got to learn, you know, to to strip the ball things like that, but they're going to be universal skills. But, you know, a lot of the other type skills, I've kind of started, you know, almost kind of putting them in boxes. Here's the stuff I'm going to do in indie that everybody kind of needs to do. And then the other stuff that's going to be a little bit more individualized, I'm not going to touch it in indie.
1: Right. And a, like a great example of this is that, um, if anybody's followed me at all, they know the daily must kind of the footwork drills that, that I, you know, I kind of preach about starting every day. And then I started singing like, we're about halfway through the year. And I'm like, we've got to get to some other things. Like we didn't have spring practice. We couldn't even practice until really, uh, with it against an offense or doing all, all we could do is footwork drills. Well, our kids are already really good at footwork drills um, that's what they do. They do that for fun. Like, that's what my kids do for fun. They go to their DB guy and they do footwork drills and they do this. And then it's like, we're, they're already good enough athletes. And so finally about, about three, four weeks in the season, I, I turned our divas coordinator. And I'm like, in a meeting, I'm like, are we dumb for doing like the daily months every day? And like my <laughs> corners coach, my corners coach is a great young coach, uh, coach Onik, And, he goes, yeah. He goes, you know, Cody, I've been thinking the same thing. He's like, our kids are already really good at it. And I was like, you know what? Forget it. Like that's, that's five minutes that we can steal with what are we not good at? What are we not getting and more work with football IQ and scheme based and working on the opponent and just forget the footwork. And you know what? It was one of the best it, to me that if I take anything away from this crazy roller coaster of a year it was just kind of like look you've got to be flexible and i you know and if you're not flexible and you're rigid this was this is probably going to be a really rough year on you or it was a rough year on you because you can't you got to be flexible you got to adapt you got to be able to grow and to me being looking at the kids it was like, look, I'm again, I, I caught myself. I'm trying to put a square peg in a round hole and it just ain't working. It's not going in there. So we need to quit doing these daily must quit working on so much footwork because I'm looking at it and I'm like, dude, we're doing it perfect like every day. Like, what's the point? Like, we've got other things that we could be working on. And so being able to steal that five minutes, I think was, that was kind of like one of those like epiphany moments of like, I'm just doing a drill to do a drill and check a box. And I don't want to be, ever be that guy. Like, this is the way we've always done it. Or I just need to check this box off. Like, I don't want to be that guy.
0: Well, that's exactly right, coach. And, and, you know, like you said, especially for offensive linemen, I think, you know, so many offensive line coaches get into, because it is such a heavy technique. No, this is the technique. You've got to do it like this. And then, and then you watch, you know, you've got a horrible stance and we got to go over stance 30 minutes a day because everyone's got to have the exact same stance. And then, you know, I'm seeing the kid kill defensive ends or, you know, whatever he does. Drilling people on on double teams and his first, you know, maybe his first step looks horrible or he's carrying his hands in the wrong spot, but every time it works, I, I'm not, you know, I've I've gotten to the point where, hey, well, if it works, well, okay, then I've got a bigger fish to fry at the high school level right now. I mean, um, <laughs> it, it works for you, um, and you know, for whatever reason, you're a good enough athlete where you don't get beat inside, even though technique says you've got to have this certain foot to not get beat inside, but you don't ever get beat inside, then, then we're not going to worry about it. I, I want, I want us to be really good. And if you're, if you're playing really well, then let's, let's work on other things or let me work with some kids that aren't playing really well and let's get them uh, up to speed.
1: Yeah. And I, I think too, a lot of coaches get hung up on, you know, the, you get in like your it's called anchoring bias. So like the first thing that you learn like that you're just anchored to that and you can't ever go away from it and you can't see it and so you get blinders and you're like well I did this in college and I was successful and then you know I I went and was at this school and we were really successful and it's like I think a lot of coaches forget that these kids win in spite of us like these kids win in spite of our coaching in spite of our just being being sometimes we're not very smart in what we do and so you know, to me, I always try and be cognizant of like, okay, am I doing this just to do it? And I think that's the one, like I said, the one, the big thing I took out of this year is like, really like, okay, I was anchored to those daily musts. Like I I was biased towards it because that's, I had learned that it was successful and it's been successful everywhere I've been. And then I come to Horn and it's a completely different athlete. It's a completely different situation. It's completely different set of circumstances. And so for me, it's like, okay, I I rec being able to recognize that as step away and detach and be like, Hey, this is not working. We're not getting what we want from this and being able to change. I think a lot of coaches kind of need that nudge of, Hey, you know, really evaluate every off season, you know, what you're doing. And I'll never forget. You guys asked me to do the RTP clinic and I did that trips deal and I was so excited to do it. And I did all these different multiple ways. And I tell everybody all the time. It was, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because when I went back and actually looked at the data, like we really weren't that great. (laughs) <laughs> and it was because we were trying to do a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> it's because we awesome. were trying to do a whole bunch of stuff oh yeah no, i know and i've said this story a few times it's like i was so i thought i was so cool because we were doing all this stuff and we were multiple and all that you couldn't ever tell what we were going to do but then we really weren't that great at everything and then the next year i just broke down everything and it was really that was the genesis of the match quarters book which is basically like my my a dissertation on quarters coverage and, and everything, and, and that was kind of that. When I got to midlothian, it was kind of like, okay, I'm I'm going to reevaluate everything that we're doing. Why are we doing it? Breaking it down. What are the biases within this? How can I change it? What's the analytics say about it? Is it good? Is it not? Let's ask the kids. I think more and more coaches could easily just ask the kids, "Hey, what do you like? Does this work for you?" Um, because they're the ones playing it, and so being able to do that, and then coming and reg- and we had one of the two best two most successful seasons uh, that we've had at Midlothian. And I felt a lot of it in the secondary was due to, because I just was willing to change. I was willing to, to be more simple uh, and run what the kids were comfortable with.
2: That's such an awesome story. I mean, you, you sit back and, you know, you, you sit here and talk scheme and talk all the, the cool things we want, but at the end of the day, it's, it's so awesome to have, you know, a support structure a staff that you can honestly, you know, talk to you go to your db guy and he can say coach i i, I agree with you you know and, and you can have those conversations and at the same time you know you you can go back yourself and, and that's what i love about you know doing clinics and and being able to talk ball and be on rtp it's so many avenues to collaborate and think and evaluate and reflect yourself and and then when you you have those other people there to do it kind of with you i mean the the, the ideas that come out of that are some of the best ones that that you ever have
1: yeah. And I mean, you know, I, we've all dealt with it. You know, we meet people that are like, well, there's only one way you can do things and it's like, well, that's your experience. And so, you know, I, you know, a lot of coaches, we kind of, it, what I found at the high school level, a lot of coaches do t- go kind of the two paths, either they stay at the one place forever or they kind of bounce around. I've been, you know, I kind of bounced around throughout the DFW area um, and I've, I've been exposed to a lot of different things. I think that that's kind of helped me kind of open my mind uh, of, of, of different ways of doing it, different styles different approaches. I've worked with all different spectrums of kids. I've worked with kids that live in multimillion dollar homes and I've worked with kids that have absolutely nothing and, and you know, we've got to feed them every day. So to me, like being able to do that has been an absolute blessing. And, and one of the things that I've taken away from that is just the flexibility part and always looking inward and don't look outward and ask what can I do for the kid you know, and I felt like, again, that, reaff- that affirmation this year of, you know, especially with the Daily must and some of the things that we were trying to do, it's like, look, man, we just need to do what's best for the kids and what they're good at.
0: Well, Coach, something that you mentioned that, that was, you know, most interesting to me was you kind of talked about midseason going back and looking, and, and you noticed how much better you guys were doing, you know, when you were in man coverages as opposed to zone coverages. Uh, something that I learned from Coach Walls, uh, when he was there at Broken Arrow was he always made made us go through made me go through and and see you know our proficiency basically in our different run schemes so uh, we broke it down and now I've gotten to where I break it down three times you know first part of the year second part of the year uh, and then against our, our teams you know our, our four teams that were the real teams that we needed to beat you know throughout the year so we could adjust off of that what when you're doing self-scout, how are you breaking that down? Are, are you doing it, you know, halfway through the year? Is it a little every game? And then, um, you know, then looking at big chunks. How are you doing that self-scout that you talked about? Because that's so important, and it's something that I think a lot of guys kind of forget about once they're into the season because they're just looking at, okay, I'm getting onto this this next team that we're playing.
1: Well, I think that's the biggest thing that was, that was try- transformational for me this year is that And it would have never happened without COVID and the lockdown and being stuck at my house for, you know, eight hours a day by myself, trying to figure out, you know, trying not to bug my wife um, was like, okay, I got to find something that I can do and start researching. And one thing that I've always been interested in, and I've never really tried to dive into is kind of the analytics piece, the math piece of football. Um, And I know some people roll their eyes, but I do think that there are simple things That you can do as a football coach uh, that can help you as a coach to make better decisions and so one of the things that i developed uh, and used was i was kind of like in a simple efficiency which is kind of what uh, if you've ever seen a success rate they are tracking epa but it's hard for high school because we have so many different like in texas we play on a college field but in like my dad works in Missouri, they play on the high school rules. So the hashes are different. The level of competition is different. So EPA, which is expected points uh, added, which is a kind of every position on the field has a certain expected points that you should gain from that. And then you factor in down a distance and it's the whole thing, but you can do a simple efficiency, which is basically a yardage efficiency. Like did did, um, on first down, keeping them under three yards. On second down, keeping them under half the yardage. And then win rate on third down, win rate on fourth down. And being able to keep track of that. And so what I did is I created this spreadsheet that that we could take from our, our box score stuff. And I could transfer it over there. And so every single week, we would look at it. And if we ever saw anything like either, man, we were 100% on this, like five out of five. Okay, let's go look at it. And then we're going through it. And we're like, yeah, well... We were five out of five on it, but like two of the times we didn't run it right and they they messed up. And so you can really objectively look at like, it, you know, oh, hey, are we winning? Are we winning because this is a good scheme or are we winning because we're just better? And, but but we need to keep working at it. And there were some things like when I was starting going back and doing it against uh, uh, for the Divas coordinator, uh, Coach Wheeler. and I started I went really he felt like his best game from the year before their worst game and then just a game they thought okay we did okay in and it was like really telling like uh pressure rates on first down for a defense at uh, being it, you know offenses now analytically if you attack first down and you can win you can win on first down uh especially on like P and 10, then your expected points go up uh, exponentially after that. And so for me on defense, it's the opposite. If we can win first down, especially P and 10, then now our opportunity of getting off the field goes up exponentially. And so being able to talk about pressure rates, do pressures work, do coverages work. So what I did is I kept track of all of our coverages against the past throughout the entire year against different personnel formations and then different different sets and I would keep track of it. And you could tell like every week it's like we were good at man. We weren't very good at cover two, which is our two read stuff, but we were good at quarters. Well, quarters is a lot like man, and then we're good at man. And so it was like as we got went through the season, we started realizing and it really builds not only your like your your builds your call sheet, like hey, these are things that we're really good at, especially in a time like the 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 pandemic, like we had so many kids like we didn't know if kids were going to show up. We didn't know if kids were going to let their parents were going to show up. We had mm-hmm. kids that were dropping out every week. I mean, like we lost two linemen one week just because parents parents got got scared and got a you know thought they had COVID, got a test, and they decided, well, I didn't get COVID, so but I'm not going to let my son play. And so it was just we're losing kids right and left. We never started the same eleven on defense the entire year, all ten games. And so for us, it was like we've got to find things that we're really good at. And so that analy- being able to, to analytically look at it week by week and let it build throughout the season, it let us make better decisions down the road. And so for me, that's where we—that's where I keep track of it. I go back and I look at all the passes versus all the coverages. Did we win that down? Did we win that rep? And then kind of give it, give it. It gives you kind of ways. in now instead of looking at all, you know, thirty passes in a cut up now I can go back and say okay we were really good versus 10 two by two but we weren't very good against 11 two by two okay where were they attacking us is there something that we're doing coverage wise or alignment wise that's different and so now you can go back and you can quickly look at that quickly do that in the in in the weekend and then now have a plan when you come in on your Sunday meeting or on Monday morning to to get that game plan ready
2: I kind of like that thought too, you know, talking, you know, was it, was it a schematic deal? You know, were we doing something wrong there? Was it, was it a personnel deal? You know, the guy, the guy's just better than us, you know, are we, are we not playing this well enough because maybe we're not practicing enough? I think it just gives you so much insight into then, you know, what is the fix? Do we keep playing it? Do we dump it? Do we need to make a personnel change? You know, what is the exact problem that is here rather than, Oh, it's the whole defense. We need to switch the whole defense.
1: Yeah, and one, one thing in, in that analytics really helped us was making the switch later in the year. We just decided, to, and I alluded to it earlier, we decided to play some younger outside linebackers was because we noticed that we were having issues on the edges in some of our calls and against different, against different teams. We were having issues. Well, we also have a guy on staff that does tackling. And so we looked at it objectively with the my analytic part of it And then we looked at the tackling piece and when we put it together, it created a full picture. It's like, man, our outside linebackers aren't making any play. They're not making any plays. And so we've got to find ways now, because if you don't have overhangs, you're screwed. There's no, there's no defense in the world (laughs) where if you don't have overhangs that you're not going to be successful. And so for us, it was kind of like, let's just make the switch and let's, you know, because they're a little bit younger, let's, kind of blitz them into position and that's kind of where we got that bear zero and bear cover one stuff towards the end of the year because we were good at zone i mean we were good at man and we had good outside linebackers that could that could that could run and so we said look we're just going to kind of keep everything bottled up and 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 we were relatively successful with that and it helped us at least you know we didn't have a successful season by any means that we feel like we were successful. We feel like we're, you know, as Horn has a great tradition of being in the playoffs and, and having great kids and sending kids onto not only the college, but the NFL. So there's a proud tradition where we're at. But it, we, we knew we were young this year and we felt like, okay, we're going in the right direction. We're putting our young kids in situations where they can be successful. So when we get to the offseason, it's not just like a, you know, a pity party of like, Oh, we're terrible. We don't have, you know, there's, there's some light at the end of the tunnel for these young kids going into this, this new year.
0: But coach, you touched on it. You know, it's been a crazy year with COVID and, and what you're allowed to do with the kids and, and, uh, um, you know, all these different ways that we've had to adapt and, and a lot of ways that were obviously not good for the kids, not good for us. Um, but I, I think it's forced some coaches to do some things that, um, you know, they, they kind of like it, you know, a couple things through the COVID year that, oh, okay, I, I think we should be doing this way. Uh, we've been doing it this other way for years of of install or, or whatever, you know, the case might be that, okay, I'm, I'm going to, you know, take this thing with me. You know, our, our defensive coordinator, you know, basically stopped having meetings. Um, and, and he had Zoom meetings at, I think, 7 p.m. at night. That way they could still watch their meetings, and but they weren't together. And he said he really, really liked it and was going to bring it into the next year. Um, so assuming next year, Coach, that everything's a little bit more normal, um, what, um, is there anything that you would bring from from what the way you guys had to change things up from this COVID year into a regular season uh, after seeing it?
1: Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that we did was now we have the facilities. I mean, I think people that are outside of Texas kind of have a perception of the facilities that we have, not everybody has access to this, but we had three locker rooms and we were able to not only separate our freshmen, but we were able to separate our JV kids from the varsity and being able to use that separation of, you know, the JV kids were able to get, one-on-one coaching time. And I think that's the one thing that at every program I've ever been at, that's been the one hindrance is that the JV kids are basically tackling dummies. They don't get a lot of individual time. They get indie for like 15 minutes. And then it's like, Hey, go be a tackling dummy for about another hour and a half. And so for us being able to have the athletic period, but then also not allowing the JV and the varsity to ever come together, unless it was on the football field. Um, allowed those JV guys to get the one-on-one attention from the coaches that are responsible for them on Thursday nights. And then kind of the coordinators and the head coach were able to run the weight room uh, with the varsity guys. And so kind of, and then vice versa. And so keeping those guys got, not only did they get the individual time on the field, but then when they went into the weight room, they were getting individual time as well. And the coordinators were able to see them in the weight room. And I felt like that to me was really powerful for the, for the younger kids is that not only did they get the individual attention on the field, but they also got the individual attention on the weight room. And I think that's something that we probably won't change is that we probably won't lift them together. I think a lot of teams lift together. They do JV kind of JV and, and varsity kind of lift together. Cause it's kind of the whole programs in together, you know, some of these bigger programs can't do that. Um, but for us, I think that's something that's not going to change. Um, I do think the meeting, the way that we approach meetings um, that we don't necessarily always have to have meetings in the facility, um, especially if you're at a place that has kids at work like we do. A lot of our kids have to work uh, in order to survive. And so for us, then being able to um, be able to listen to the meeting uh, while they're at work. I had a coroner um, who would mow lawns with his dad on the weekend and he could on his way, cause they didn't mow lawns near where the school was. So he was have like a 30 minute drive. Well, he could listen to the meeting on a 30 minute drive and be able to communicate with me and, and, you know, get his meeting time in where if it wasn't like that, he would never be able to come to a meeting. And so for me, I think that we're, yeah. And and we're finding ways of of being able to communicate with kids. I will say this too. I do think the human element and the relationship piece if you didn't believe in it before, you definitely believe in it now. Um, these kids need that relationship piece. They need coaches that are there and present. And I think, you know, you see kids now with the digital everything that they're just getting lost. They, they, they feed on that, that physical touch and that physical presence of, of somebody that cares for them. And so to me, I, I really think the weekends have changed. That the way that we're going to attack the weight room and, and be able to divvy up the, divvy up the, the, the JV and sub varsity and being able to give the sub varsity kids a little bit more one-on-one time. And then obviously, you know, being more cognizant of the player's time uh, and, and making sure that they're not up here all the time that, hey, we can meet later in the night and we can, we can do some things and we can talk uh, and we can do meetings kind of on their own time
2: yeah love, love all those those aspects of it. I mean, again, you know at, at the end of the day, they're, they're still kids, you know, and and we we got to be able to find ways to, you know, still make the football piece of it, you know, fun and win and do all those things. But at the same time, hey, man, your kids, you, we we care about you. Um, we we there, there's no reason now with with technology, you know, to not be able to check in with your guys. I mean, that's that's been a big revelation for me is, you know, just having a big group message on, on Twitter or having the group message, you know, text and just shooting it out there. How's everyone doing? You know, everyone, everyone uh, okay? And then at the same time, being able to push out, you know, things for the Super Bowl, funny tweets, jokes that you find. I mean, just letting those guys know that you're there, knowing that you care about them. There, there's really no reason now that we're all so tech savvy to be, at least be doing that on a regular basis.
1: No, I, I 100% agree. Being able to communicate and, and just – you know, being there for your kids. I think is the most important thing you can do.
2: Well, coach,
0: uh, obviously we brought you on because we were excited about Anchor Points um, and, and, and want to be able to make sure you get to plug it again. Uh, but – looks like you know i was counting through one two three four five different books how are you finding the time to do all these books me and me and coach walls thought about compiling basically just and it would be a cheater book you know take take some quotes from guys that we've had on the podcast and put them in a book and and we think that'd be good but man it it takes some time and and you know it's to, to have that many books out coach that's pretty um that's pretty impressive
1: well, I appreciate it. You know, I, I just I just do it. I don't know my mind the way that my mind works. I don't have <laughs> to just sit in in long form. I can I can type for you know I have got three kids at the house and so I've got a seven a three and an eighteen month old. So it's not like I can come home and sit down um, for long periods of time. I don't know this way. God bless me with the, my mind. I can I can jump from one thing to another and even you know when I find downtime I try and write. Um, a lot of the stuff I've had and I just, I kind of compile it, you know, I learned from, uh, Chris Brown who wrote, uh, he's smart football and I think he's kind of like a, you know, Mount Rushmore in this whole kind of, kind of deal. And to me, you know, he told me one time, "Is like, you know, write small pieces and then start putting them together and then eventually you'll write a book and, and that's, that's kind of always stuck with me. And so a lot of the things I get ideas, I start writing, I put, I put things together. You know, the breakdown book that I put out during the, the lockdown, I had had that sitting around, oh, for probably a, a year and a half. Um, and then with the time, I just was like, I've got a lot of time. I'm just going to start putting it together. And I just started putting it together. And then I released it during the summer. And then the anchor points again, like I had been working on that for a while, too. I paused, wrote the wrote the um, breakdown book, and then I finally finished uh, anchor points Uh, The season went, uh, you know, obviously with the season pushed back, I couldn't put it out. Well, like I normally do during Thanksgiving. Mm. So I I pushed it out a little, a couple months and finished after the season, but yeah, you just find time. You know, I get asked that a lot and I don't know how I do it. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had like this. I wish I had like this, like, you know, this fantastic way of like, this is how you do time management. No, I'm probably terrible at time management. And, and I, I just try and just write little pieces at a time and, and eventually, it together i have all these scraps of paper i'm sure my wife hates it but i have all these scraps of paper all over the place like postcards and or note cards and pieces of paper that i have folded. and i have all my notes on it and i just keep them together and it looks like a lot of trash but then eventually it turns into a book so that's just kind of how (laughs) you know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time that's kind of how that's kind of how that works
0: there you go have you um have you made or thought about making any any of them into uh audio books
1: uh you know i have i it, i would have to like sit down and do it myself i'm so so independent in the way that i do things um yeah. and i don't know i would I, I would love to but then again where am i gonna i can barely find quiet time now so it's,
0: <laughs> oh yeah three where? of them that's <laughs> that becomes a hard spot
1: Oh yeah. And of course this, this week they've all been sick. So it's been when the little ones are sick, it's never oh. fine. So well, then you're not
0: um, getting any sleep and your sickness is coming if you haven't got it already. Cause right now so, you got no sleep and they're they uh They all they want to do is cuddle up with you coach and they cough or sneeze right in your face. So yes. you just know, you know, it's coming. You have a, you have a boy or a girl at seven years old. So I have a seven year
1: old boy. I've got a three year old boy. And then I've got a sweet angel, uh, an eighteen-month-old girl that has to live with these two older boys, especially the three-year-old. So,
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Well, at least you can feel a little bit better when they grow up. That that's the way to have it, the The older ones being the boys. What um? So, so this, your seven-year-old, are you teaching him defense? Are you teaching him offense? You got any other sports that, that you're working them into? Uh, what's he got going on athletically? Because I've got my son already getting yeah. in a getting in a stance because. No one teaches seven-year-olds how to play offensive line. So I figure he loves football. So, hey, I'm already, you know, trying to, trying to rot his mind. And uh, he wants to be a center and, and, you know, all that stuff because no one else wants to be. I figure let's go ahead and get a jump on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he uh, randomly likes a goalie. There yeah. is not very many kids that like to be a goalie. Um, so with that, he likes he, – he wants to be a receiver. And so that kind of goes with the eye-hand coordination and the jumping and all that stuff. And so he he's always it's, – it's just really odd. He's really like that. Now, I don't think he will be the defensive one in my three-year-old. Um, <laughs>
0: That's so funny. Is, You can already tell
1: oh man my three my three year old he loves to get hit he likes to just be really rough and he's he's built like a brick house and so I think he's gonna be more of the the defensive one whereas the older kid I think is gonna be more he might be the quarterback receiver
0: type <laughs> type uh there We didn't do this on purpose, but we got a trampoline and and wall said um I didn't really steal it from Walls, but one of Walls' buddies does the same thing. So all this COVID stuff happened. Well, we've got a trampoline, and and my son jumps on the trampoline. I throw him the football, right? So he's jumping around, catching the football, falling down, all that. Well, and we go into baseball season, and he catches better than anyone on the baseball field. We hadn't touched a baseball. It's not very fun for me, all the baseball stuff. But he's gotten so much better at baseball right. from from – Catching the football on the trampoline because we had nothing else to do over the summer but stay at the house and catch <laughs> balls on the trampoline. So that's what you guys got to get into now: uh, stopping soccer balls and oh, playing yeah. catch on the trampoline.
1: That's what. So my my in laws had bought a trampoline um, because my seven year old asked if they could get a trampoline, and so <laughs> there of course my. My father-in-law bought one. And so who do you think put it together? It was me that had to put that together. So um, of course. So no, that's the uh, same thing. We go out there. He loves Odell Beckham. And so we go out there and we work on one hand catches all the time. He thinks he's so cool because he can do this one hand catch. And, and he found him, I've, he found one of my wife's, these like, it's just kind of like a link. Necklace and it was off of something that had broke, and he found this gold chain. He has not taken yeah. this thing off. Of <laughs> so he is my seven year old is definitely the offense. He is definitely a little bit more of the, the diva type. He's That's got awesome. His gold chain on, and he's making one hand catches, and uh it's he's a he's a trip now. So yeah, That's- no, we're we're well on the the trampoline
2: that's uh it was it was our outside linebacker coach it was actually his grandson is the same thing so he's telling me the story because you know i'm the receiver coach he's like walls i gotta tell you you know my my grandson it's killing me because he's you know he's huge our, our outside linebacker coach is like 6'4 i mean 250 260 he's like yeah he just wants to go on the trampoline so he's moving his eyes but he keeps saying he's like you know i'm odell or he we got a receiver his brody i'm brody brick so i'm gonna be this guy so he's like man it's killing me he's gonna be a receiver but he's like Great for his eye hand coordination. He'd jump up and down. He'd hop yeah. on it all day and all I had to do is sit in the chair and I'm just throwing footballs to him.
1: Yeah, it's it's awesome. And so we would go out there for like an hour and I'd just throw I just throw them all different types of balls and, and everything. So yeah, we're we're well on the trampoline and, and making one-handed catches. <laughs>
0: that's, that's awesome. Well, coach, where can everyone find your book? Can they I, I saw it, I saw it on Amazon. Um, I'm assuming they can go to your website as well. What's the best way for them to to order it. Is it on, um, can you get it on, uh, you know, what is it an ebook as well as a, uh, yeah. a as a real, real actual book or, or how does all that work?
1: Yeah. So if you go to matchquarters.com, uh, click on, uh, books, it's one of the drop down tabs. So if you're on your phone, you can either click on books or, um, if you click on the links page as well, it takes you to all the different articles that are written, And at the very top is uh, that you can also type in uh, Cody Alexander under books, and you can get them on Amazon. They have a Kindle version and a paperback version uh, of all five of the books. So I I have the digital and I have have the paperback. And then if you're interested in, I've moved Match Quarters over to Match Quarters Substack, which is just matchquarters.com. Our.substack.com, which is more of a subscription-based site. Um, and so I've kind of moved, moved kind of everything over there uh, so you can subscribe to that and things like that. So I've got a couple different ways that you can get match quarters, either on a weekly basis or you can, you can get the books.
0: Well, awesome, coach. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for spending the time, especially I know you got all the sickness. This might be a, uh, a fun thing for you. Wife's got to go take care of the kids for an hour while, while you get to talk. So I, I understand that. Um, tell her that you're working your butt off, but uh, get to talk football and, and be away from the sickness. Um, I told uh, Darnell Whitaker, um, I told him I was getting on with you. He said to make sure and say hello. So uh, he said hello. And, and again, appreciate your time, man
1: that's right man i love i love the bubs man tulsa's finest <laughs>
0: that's right
1: I, I appreciate you guys having me on here and, and really giving an outlet for coaches to get better and, and to be able to communicate with each other and grow i mean because to me that's what it's about is about learning and growing and just finding different avenues of getting better
2: amen coach We'll uh will as always we'll be in touch man you're one of the uh the go-to's when i got defensive questions appreciate you